Donald Trump has just prevented World War III from starting in the Ukraine. Changed my mind. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott, and this is your right angle. We want you to do something for us here. We want you to click that thumbs up button. We need some data points. So we'll just stop for a moment. Just takes a second. Okay, there we go. It's important. Anyway, here's the story, guys. Uh, we have been talking, Steve's show was about the Ukraine, about the border buildup on, on, with the Russians on the Ukraine. And students of history always go right straight to the one that's as clear as a, you know, throbbing red thumb on a cartoon after you hit it with a hammer. Uh, it's pretty clear that, uh, that what happened at Munich in, uh, in 1938 led to World War II, where Neville Chamberlain, who was, in fact, the prime minister of the most powerful military force in the world, the British Empire, made it pretty clear to Adolf Hitler that all he wanted was peace and wasn't particularly interested in what happened on the continent. And he came back with a piece of paper and a promise. And that was the point at which Adolf Hitler said, the man is essentially a worm. We can get away with whatever we want to. England is not going to act. We recently saw President Joe Biden basically offhandedly say, yeah, well, you know, a couple of border incursions here and there in the Ukraine, that's probably not a big deal. Probably wouldn't get too worried about that. And my problem is, is that a border incursion is the beginning of the war. Once you've in, once you've incursed the border, uh, then it's just a question of how long are you going to stay on somebody else's backyard? So uh, Steve, Donald Trump basically uh, put out a, a message. I guess he tweeted it. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. And, and basically said to Putin, listen, uh, Joe Biden's not going to be president forever. He, he essentially said it's kind of like Churchill just kind of flying in there and grabbing the paper, you know, and saying this is, this is a nine month expiration on this. There's a shelf life on this promise. That, that we will not always be as easy to get along with. You think that was uh, irresponsible or do you think that was brilliant? Well, it might have been necessary. Um, That's kind of a better word, actually. Yeah. Um, I was reading uh, David Goldman today. And actually, let me back up a moment. Out of all the stupid things that Bill Clinton and George W. Bush ever did, NATO expansion is at or near the top of the list. You know, uh, we won the Cold War. I, I hate it when people say the Cold War ended. It did not end. We knocked their you-know-what's in the dirt. We won. Last socio-political economic system standing. End of story. Um, that said, keeping NATO afterwards was dumb. We should have just thrown ourselves the world's biggest victory party and dissolved NATO the next day. But with the understanding, we would have maintained a sort of uh, – uh, what was the, uh, the well, not not so much a tripwire. What was the old uh, Franco-British understanding before World War One, before they became actual allies? The uh, the Entente Cordiale. Yes. Yeah, a cordial understanding that we're all still very good friends and we will maintain our military contact so that we don't get rusty in case all hell were to break out somewhere in Europe. That was the template I saw. It's not the one Bill Clinton or George W. Bush saw. And instead, they expanded NATO right up to the border of the Soviet, the old Soviet Union and inside the border of the old Soviet Union, if you include the Baltic states. And that really fed in to Russian paranoia. Um, and the Russians have good reason to be paranoid. Between Hitler, the Kaiser, and uh, and Napoleon, they suffered some pretty serious invasions over the course of not much more than a century. Uh, but here we are now. 
We've expanded NATO uh, to include countries that really can't defend themselves and that we don't have much interest in defending ourselves. Uh, we have hinted broadly that if Ukraine makes political reforms, that they will be welcome into NATO as well. And that is just uh, that is a direct threat to Russia. Again, I'm not defending Putin. As I said in my segment, he's a thug and a thief and a criminal and a bully. Uh, oh, and a killer, too. Um but Russia does have strategic interests in Ukraine, and we have basically said, uh, no, we have even bigger strategic interests in Ukraine. And it's just been 30 years of compounded errors. Getting out of it? Well, this is where I get nervous. As I concluded in my segment, I think Biden is going to come to the negotiating table and probably give away way more than he ever would. Um the only thing backstopping him might be Donald Trump and Twitter. Who knows? Scott, we were talking in the backstage show about this idea that um, that people who are natural bullies may actually be somewhat deterred by the idea that maybe the next guy is going to be a little bit tougher. We were talking about Ronald Reagan and the release of the hostages that have been held for 444 days within an hour of him being inaugurated, which seems like a bit much of a coincidence. Uh, they clearly felt that this was that this was going to be different. And as we talked about on that backstage show for our members only, as Steve pointed out, Ronald Reagan campaigned on the fact that I'm not a Jimmy Carter. And if I if I win this election, it's going to going to be a little bit tougher. It certainly had an effect there that was advantageous to the United States. Do you think that this entire thing is just a just a, a, a political show for domestic consumption? Or do you think there's an argument to be made for the fact that you need to remind bullies that while we may not look like we may be looking very weak now, that is not always necessarily going to be the case. And many people have made that mistake before. Well, I think there's a difference between Reagan's position when he was saying such things and Trump's position. I mean, Reagan at that point had not yet been president of the United States, did not have access to the kind of security briefings and years of security briefings and information, back channel and front channel information that, that President Trump enjoys. Uh, that said... Uh, that's not really the big issue here. I mean, if Joe Biden were smart, he would say what President Trump said. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I don't mean that he would say, don't yeah. mess with us. I, I think he would say, look, I'm not always going to be here. I may in fact not be here right now. That's right. You may think that I'm an old softy, but keep in mind, at some point, I'm not going to be in this chair, and you may find somebody who's not as pliable. You, may, so you may find yourself facing Kamala Harris. <laughs> oh, right. oh, the two best laughs I've had all day. So, <laughs> you know, he, he would have better done it. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a great message to send as what President Trump was sending. And again, I don't even know how he did it, but it's a great message to, to remind uh, Vladimir Putin of that in these United States, we don't have the, the reign that he has enjoyed of uh, the leader of the country being able to be in charge for multiple decades. Um, 
but that that leadership turns over uh, now. It, certainly, it sounds as if uh, you know former President Trump would like to be future President Trump, and is suggesting that uh, the guy who is going to make it tougher on Putin will be he himself when he returns to the chair. Um, but th- that said, I, I I think the idea is correct. Um, I'm not sure that the medium uh, was consistent with the message that he wanted to send because it had too many audiences. Uh, but I do. I do like the fact that Putin is reminded that even if you think that that Joe Biden uh, can't handle it, um, he won't be the last president of the United States. I think if I had to describe uh, Putin in a word, not his personality, because it's not not a very nice guy. But in terms of his conduct as um, as president of Russia for life now, apparently, I would have to describe him as canny, Hmm. Um, not wily. But Kenny, he's he is, I think, a very good judge of what other countries are are doing. I think he's an excellent judge of people's personalities, their weaknesses and their strengths. And and what we saw back in 2008 was Vladimir Putin having a, a really a, 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 a master's sense of timing. Because when he made his Russian incursion into Georgia, he did it during the final weeks of the of the American election, when it was pretty clear that Barack Obama was going to win, but he wasn't president yet. The, the, that that last few months, and especially that election, because there were no vice presidents running, it was it was the first time in a long time when everybody's new to the stage. He knew that during those last three four weeks of an American election, essentially. There is no president because we are looking at where we're going to go. And he moved on that very quickly. If I'm Vladimir Putin looking at the U.S. leadership, if I'm looking at a Defense Department that's primary concern is either global warming or or diversity and inclusion, if I look at, at, at the at the fact that the that the withdrawal from Afghanistan was opposed by every one of President Biden's generals, apparently, and overridden by him anyway because of political considerations and all the rest of this stuff, and not to mention how badly executed it was. If I'm Vladimir Putin and I'm looking at this guy and then I'm looking at potentially Kamala Harris, I'm thinking, I have got a guaranteed four years where, where the U.S. leadership is at the very least not exactly composed of screaming hawks. And we don't know what will come after this, but if we're going to do something, now would be the time. When Joe Biden finishes a press conference, which happened earlier this year, by basically putting his head down like this, and, and, and cl- cl- that is that is a terrifyingly big green light to people to say that now's our time to make our move and, and we may not have time to do it later. I, I have to tell you the reason I just wanted to cover this story mainly was because I thought that no matter how it was handled and, and what the eventual outcome might be, I thought Donald Trump's instinct to get in there and basically say, to, to, to look around and realize just how bad we look and to say, it ain't always that way, and it wasn't always that way, and it won't always be that way. You might want to keep that in mind before you start rolling some tanks over the border. I thought that instinct was Churchillian. That's because it's what Churchill would have done, I think. That'll do it for this edition of Right Angle, made possible by the members of BillWhittle.com. Hit that thumbs up button. We will give it to YouTube, and I'll show you why in a couple weeks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on Right Angle. 